Welcome back to Health Bite, my podcast where I offer you small, actionable bites towards healthy weight and weight management through greater mental, emotional, and physical well-being. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Udim, and I created this podcast as an alternative to the noise to offer you knowledge-based guidance in the areas of nutrition, fitness, habit change, and mindset that I use with my patients in my medical practice every day to help them achieve healthy weight and health. We have another episode of obesity and nutrition in the news. And this month, I want to share with you three studies that increase our understanding of how diet impacts our health and well-being. Now, the first study looks once again at protein. And I must say, it's not newsworthy that weight loss diets promote protein, but understanding the why can be much more powerful than the what in helping us do the right thing for our bodies. So this month, I wanted to review a interesting study that looked at how protein helps manage our hunger. Now, there's a theory called the protein leverage hypothesis or PLH that says that if we don't meet our body's needs for protein, then we disproportionately increase our fat and carbohydrate consumption, meaning that we just don't eat less by eating less protein, but we replace it by eating more of the other stuff and have a greater desire for the other stuff like fat and carbs. And in doing so, we also dampen the signals that tell us when we are full. Now, we know that in general, during a time in which the American diet has slowly reduced the amount of protein that we consume, we have also experienced an increase in obesity. We also know that the more ultra-processed our diet, meaning the more calories we consume from highly processed foods, the more carbs, fat, and calories we consume in general. So in this study, researchers looked at over 9,000 adults. The average calorie intake was 2,072 calories. And they found that at baseline, about 18% of calories came from protein, 43.5% came from carbs, that was the highest category, 31% came from fats, 2% came from fiber, and 4% came from alcohol. Researchers found that the people who consumed the lowest amount of protein consumed the highest amount of calories overall. So protein intake was negatively correlated to higher calorie intake. Low protein equaled higher calories. Higher protein equaled lower calories consumed throughout the day. And as protein intake went down, the calories consumed from other categories, including fat, carbs, alcohol, and processed foods, went up. Meaning again, the lower your protein intake, the higher your total calorie intake, and the higher your intake of foods that are not necessarily as healthy, like alcohol, processed foods, carbs, and fat. When researchers looked at the timing of food, 
They found that people who consume lower amounts of protein in the first meal of the day, higher calorie intake in the meals later in the day. And again, higher intake of calories overall. So this is important because there have been many studies on breakfast with conflicting results as to whether or not you should or should not eat breakfast. And I don't recommend a one size fits all approach. And studies have shown that when you force people to eat breakfast when they're not hungry, that doesn't necessarily support healthy weight either. But this information adds to the abundant data that's already out there in support of the fact that when we consume higher protein early in the day, and for example, during breakfast, it can suppress or reduce our calorie intake all day long. It also follows my personal experience as a weight loss doctor that many of the patients who come to see me for weight loss are not eating breakfast and in fact, many are only consuming one meal per day, but have still gained weight over the years by doing this. And why is that? Aren't we sparing calories when we eat fewer meals? In my experience, the answer to this question is no. When we skip out on eating br breakfast and specifically eating higher protein for breakfast, we tend to experience greater hunger later and eat more in a way that accounts or overcompensates for the fact that we didn't eat breakfast. And that is what the study has confirmed. So the take home message here is this, lower protein intake overall is associated with higher calorie intake overall. And when we consume lower protein early in the day or at breakfast, it's associated with higher calorie meals later in the day which is not only not associated or conducive to weight loss, but is associated with weight gain. So let's once again, take a look at the protein in our diet. And I don't advocate for keto or Atkins or any of these high protein diets uh, in general, but I do advocate for protein in every meal. In general, the studies show that 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal helps curb or control or suppress hunger hormones. So what does that mean? An egg is about seven grams of protein. An egg white is about four grams of protein. So three eggs, five egg whites would cinch the deal. Peanut butter, on the other hand, only two grams of protein per tablespoon. Animal proteins tend to have more uh, protein than plant-based, but that doesn't mean you can't get your protein from plants. A serving of garbanzo beans, for example, gives you 19 grams of protein. So take some time to survey what you're eating and how much protein you're getting per meal and make an effort to bump up that protein intake because this study once again shows that when we do that, we curb our desire for other foods and we reduce our overall food and calorie intake. This study, by the way, was published in the November 2nd issue of the Journal of Obesity for those of you who want to Google it and get more info. The next study looked at timing of food intake and your weight. So does food timing affect your weight? And we addressed this a little bit in the last study. 
but they did this uh, study in an interesting way. So two groups of people were compared. In the first group, meals were given to them at 8 a.m., at noon, and at 4 p.m., while the second group ate the same meals four hours later, starting at noon, and then 4 p.m., and then 8 p.m. And they looked at this pattern of eating in these two groups for six days. They checked a lot of different markers, including surveying these study participants in their hunger and appetite scores. In fact, they gathered hunger and appetite scores 18 times each day. They also tested for body fat, body temperature, energy expenditure, and therefore surrogates of metabolism. And this is what they found. Researchers found that eating four hours later made a significant difference in the levels of hunger hormones, as well as in the way they burned calories and stored fat. The group of people who ate later in the day, they reported greater hunger. In fact, hunger pangs doubled in these individuals as compared to the individuals who ate earlier in the day. These late eaters also reported a greater appetite or desire for starchy and salty foods. So think savory snacks like chips and nuts. In trying to figure out and why this was the case, researchers of the study looked at blood tests for levels of hunger hormones and found that leptin, a hormone that is released by our fat cells, which signals satiety or fullness, actually was lower in the late eaters as compared to the lower eaters. I'm sorry, as compared to the earlier eaters. So late eaters demonstrated a lower level of leptin in the blood, a hormone that signals fullness. At the same time, subjects who ate later in the day showed a higher level of ghrelin. Ghrelin is a hormone that is released by the stomach that does the opposite. It actually signals hunger to the brain. It turns on the hunger signals in the hypothalamus of the brain. And late eaters had higher levels of ghrelin as compared to early eaters in the study. So really interesting that their changes in appetite was also matched by changes in hunger hormones that made sense. Hunger hormones were shifted in a way in late eaters that promoted more hunger and less fullness. In fact, researchers showed that late eating caused an increase in this ratio of ghrelin to leptin over the course of the full 24 hours during wakefulness and during sleep. And that this ratio increased by about 35% when meals were eaten later in the day. So really clear evidence that late eaters showed a hormonal profile towards greater hunger that spanned the entire day. Finally, when they measured metabolism in these study participants, they showed that participants who ate later in the day burned calories at a slower rate 
as compared to those individuals who ate at earlier times. So a lot of information in this small study that really points to the mechanism that late eating supports greater weight gain. We have to say that this was a small study and it was short and did not look at changes in weight over time, but it did tell us this. Number one, backloading calories by eating later in the day results in higher hunger hormones. Number two, backloading calories also results in lower satiety or fullness hormones. People who ate their calories later in the day showed greater appetite and hunger scores. They showed a greater desire for poorly nutritious foods like starchy and salty foods, and they had a lower rate of calorie burnage. So really compelling data to support eating earlier and not later. And I always quote this old quote or euphemism, eat breakfast like a king, dinner like a pauper, which is really supported by the study. Bigger meals or more calorie intake early on as compared to later in the day. And then finally, the last study I wanted to review, does your diet actually cause pain? Now, this was an interesting study that was done looking at the effect of a high fat diet on pain sensitivity. This was an animal study. So we have to be mindful of how that translates into humans. But remember that nearly all human studies begin with positive data from animals that are then followed through in human studies later. So in this particular research, they took a group of mice that were fed a normal diet compared to a high fat diet for eight weeks. And the high fat chow or diet was typical to our Western diet in terms of fat composition. And the researchers found that a high fat diet induced what they called hyperalgesic priming. Now this is a fancy word that basically just means a neurological change that represents a transition from acute to chronic pain. So the changes that occur in our neurons that result in more susceptibility and likelihood of developing chronic pain, as well as sensitivity to pain from stimuli that don't normally provoke pain. These mice uh, were more likely to have chronic pain as well as to respond to non-painful stimuli in a way that was painful. Now, just to give you some background, we know that people who consume higher amounts of saturated fat, like red meat, cheese, butter, have a higher amount of free fatty acids. These are the building blocks of saturated fat. So it makes sense. You eat more saturated fat and saturated fat breaks down and gets digested into free fatty acids. And so if you're eating more fat, you're going to have more free fatty acids circulating in the bloodstream. But free fatty acids can increase inflammation. And in fact, this study found that a type of free fatty acid called palmitic acid, this is the most common saturated fat 
found in animals, binds to receptors on nerve cells that cause inflammation and mimics injury to the neurons. So showing, therefore, a pathway to higher pain sensitivity from diet alone. Now, I want to repeat that because it is kind of scientific. We eat saturated fat. That's the kind of fat that comes from animals like butter, meat, cheese, right? Saturated fat gets broken down into free fatty acids and a type of free fatty acid called palmitic acid, which is the most prevalent fatty acid in saturated fat, was shown in this study to bind onto nerve cells, causing more inflammation and mimicking injury to the neurons that makes them susceptible to pain, showing a real clear pathway between higher pain sensitivity from diet alone. Now, it's important to say that there are studies out there that have shown that obese individuals have higher pain sensitivity, that diabetics uh, have greater pain sensitivity as well as nerve damage. But this is interesting because it shows that short-term dietary change to a higher fat diet, in the study it was only eight weeks, resulted in greater sensitivity towards pain as well as a pathway in which how that's possible by affecting inflammation and nerve cells. So really interesting information that looks at not only weight and um, obesity, which we tend to focus on, but just diet in and of itself. And really, I think, encourages us to think about the kind of food that we eat, independent of what it's doing towards or for our weight. So that's a wrap for today. Three studies looking at diet and uh, weight, as well as markers of health. And what we have gleaned from this episode, I hope, is number one, higher fat diets not only result in weight gain, but also inflammation and pain sensitivity. Number two, more data promoting earlier food intake, not eating later in the day because of the effect that it has on our appetite, our hunger hormones, as well as our metabolism. And finally, the last uh, or the, the first ep uh, in our episode or the last study that looked at the protein leverage hypothesis and showed us the correlation between protein intake and calories consumed. I hope that this information gave you some food for thought and helps provoke some positive changes in your diet that result in positive changes in your health. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Health Bite. I look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then.